And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, which I'm presuming most people are familiar with if you found your way to this podcast. But there might be somebody out there who never heard of the book and just was interested in the podcast. Not many, but might be one. Uh, anyhow, that book was written uh, 26 years ago, came out, and detailed the visits that I had with my old college professor as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease and the lessons I learned about life for the living. And we're going to talk about that today in several different forms having to do with mothers and children. Uh, first of all, I wanted to update people on Haiti. Uh, I had spoken about it last time we did the podcast that we were doing a GoFundMe program at our orphanage in Haiti. Uh, because of the security situation there. And I just returned from Haiti two days ago, having spent the week down there. That's why we weren't on the air or in podcast land last week. And I should say hi to my friend and producer, Lisa Goich, who's mm-hmm-ing along with me right here, but I take for I granted. Never, yeah, I never speak until spoken to. Well, so. <laughs> you can, but uh, Lisa's always alongside as we do this. Um, but yeah, things are bad in Haiti. Uh, very, very bad. The neighborhood where we are uh, is the neighborhood where 13 gang members were killed and their bodies burned as a retaliation to the horror that the gangs are visiting upon average citizens all the time. And our neighborhood basically just said, we're not putting up with it. And it turns out, as I've looked into it, a lot of our people in our immediate area uh, go back generations. So unlike some neighborhoods in Haiti where new people keep moving in and moving out and moving and moving out, a lot of our people, their parents were there and their grandparents were there. And so there's a sense of proprietorship to the neighborhood, a sense of belonging and a sense of like, you're not going to destroy this. When the gangs started sniffing around our neighborhood, as they have so many neighborhoods in Port-au-Prince that they basically have taken over. Um, our citizens basically say we're not going to we're not going to have it, and so far there has not been an active retaliation. Now, when we traveled from the airport to the orphanage, we got into our neighborhood about a mile or so away from our orphanage, and we started getting stopped at different street corners by neighborhood people who were looking in the car to see who we were and what we were doing there. So. The fact that we belonged, obviously, and that we are part of the orphanage, they let us through. But if we hadn't been, we probably wouldn't have been able to even get to our place. So mm-hmm. it's a good thing we don't have a lot of strangers coming to visit us because you could never get through. Uh, we hired uh, up to 12 security guards. Now, just to give you an example, we had had three before this. So uh, wow. now 12. Uh, Twelve. Yeah, 12 security guards to circle the property because we have a large property now, this new property that we moved to. We have 12 security guards at any given shift to go from, you know, all the way around to make sure that people don't jump over the walls, don't come down the hills, uh, don't try to break in through uh, the gates or things like that. So, yeah, 12 security guards to secure Mm -hmm. this uh, seven acres. Like 24-7? Like, Correct. Wow, that's yeah. something. That's what's necessary, unfortunately. So uh, we've also uh, had uh, 
was kind of tragic uh, in its own way, even though the kids were okay with it. But we got these alarms, these, you know, really loud kind of police alarms. And we told the kids, all right, we're going to do these drills. And at any given time, that alarm goes off. You have 30 seconds to get to the area that we've designated to be safe, which is the third floor of the dormitory or the third floor of the school. And all of a sudden, the alarm will go off and the kids just race to get in there. But, you know, it looks from afar like it's a some kind of fun drill. But when I looked at the kids up close, a lot of them were crying. A lot of our teenage girls were uh... crying. Just the fact that they have to do this. And I talked with a lot of them. They were saying, you know, we don't know when someone's going to come over the walls. What if they rape us? You know, girls don't even, these are girls who have not even ever been kissed in their lives before. And they... And they, you know, are wondering, they don't even really understand the concept of rape, but they know it's bad. And, yeah. uh, and, and they're Horrible. having to ask themselves if that's going to happen to them. And the boys are like, are we going to get shot? And, and so um, it was, I was glad to see that we've developed a pretty good rhythm to our drilling. And we are able to get to where we need to go in 30 seconds. But it's sad at the same time to see everybody inside these rooms pushing couches and chairs up against the doors. And they have like a secret word that they're not supposed to open the door unless they hear the secret word. And, uh, you know, we test them and we say, it's us, open the door. It's us, you know, it's okay. Open the door. You didn't say the secret word. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, um, it was, well, that's good. Yeah, but that's, it's good, that's but sad. it's tragic in its own but way. That's yeah. how all like kids in the United States are living now when their schools. You know, my my niece is a first grade teacher. They have drills like this as well. You yeah. know, shooter live shooter drills. Ah, it's I mean, terrible. yeah, horrible. It's not childhood, and that's for sure. It no, look like childhood. So anyhow, uh, we're doing our best, and we're we've done well on the GoFundMe. If you want to help us, it's going to be up there for a few more days. Uh, you just go to Have Faith Haiti uh, under GoFundMe or even my name. You'll probably find it. And uh, we were trying to raise uh, money for the alarms and the security and the cameras. And we were trying to build the safe room, which that doesn't go so quickly. That takes time. But we need to uh, build a bulletproof, uh, bulletproof glass, bulletproof doors, um, locked and fully supplied safe room for a hundred people so that God forbid if uh, they do get over the walls or whatever, we have a place to hide until we can get police reinforcements or something to come and protect us. So it's, it's a, it's a tough realization. And we came back from Haiti, uh, my wife and I just in time to attend an event that we go to every year for the last six or seven years uh, called Chad Tough. Now, Chad of Chad Tough is Chad Carr. Chad Carr, here in the state of Michigan, is a familiar name because the Carr family name is familiar because Lloyd Carr was the coach of the Michigan Wolverines football team. And when you coach a college football team in a place like this for the school like Michigan, you're well known. And it didn't hurt that he was a really good coach and they won a national championship with him. So his grandson, at age four, developed a DIPG, diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, which is the same thing that Chica, our little girl, died from, the brain tumor. And he developed it 
a little less than a year before we brought Chica up. So he was going through it when Chica was diagnosed with it. And that's how his mother, Tammy Carr, and I first got connected because anyone who has a child who has DIPG feels connected to other people who have children who have DIPG. It's a small community. There's only a few hundred kids every year diagnosed with it. So you kind of intend to know the people by name. You know, there's, oh, there's Tommy. How's Tommy doing? Oh, Michael. How's Michael doing? How's Chica doing? How's Chad doing? And Chad was still alive when we first started with Chica. And then he passed away um, in November uh, of that year. And his family uh, did an amazing thing. And this is what I want to sort of kind of talk about for a moment here. Um, you know, Tuesdays with Maury was a lot about saying goodbye to life when you've lived a full life. Maury was 78 years old. I'm sure he would have liked to have been 87 or 107 or whatever, and not 78 when his time ended. But even 78, especially on a world scale, is, is certainly a good long life. Um, on an American scale, it's about average. And it's one thing when you die there, you can look back in your life and you can say, well, I did this, I did that, I learned this, I learned that, I'm proud that I did this. Here's what I can share with you. When a child dies, it's a different story. It's, there's none of that closure. There's none of that, well, here's what they did before they died. You're, you try, you try. Like, I know that we said, well, Chica, she died when she was seven years old. But boy, she lived so much during those seven years, and she affected so many people during those seven years. And, you know, it, there's a lot of truth to that statement, but it's largely something you tell yourself because the opposite is what's screaming at you, which is seven years is not long enough to count as a life well lived here on earth. Seven years is unfair. That's how it comes to you. It's unfair. Yeah. And as we were walking up the steps to this gala, which was held, it's a very big event. It was held in a basketball arena. They get hundreds of people to attend and they raise lots of money for DIPG research. And as we were walking up the steps, each, each level of steps had a big banner of one of the kids who was in the, in the group of people that were part of Chad Tuff. You know, when you lose a child or you have a child who has DIPG, you can join Chad Tuff and you're a member. You're a member of Chad Tuff. You know, you're part of the group. Yeah. And these were all the kids. And these were all kids who had died. And one banner after another, just beautiful banners of beautiful pictures of the kids, you know, all ha happy pictures of the kids. And they were healthy. And it would say, you know, this was Tommy. He dreamed of being an astronaut. This was Julia. She dreamed of being a dancer. This was you know, Chica. She dreamed of being big. So we asked all the kids, when I grow up, I want to be. And they had to fill in the word after that. And she wrote big. So Aww. we always said, all right, well, well Chica, then they said, what does Chica want to be when she grows up? Big. So they wrote that. And what you see as, as you walked up these steps were all these dreams unfulfilled, wanted to be wow. an astronaut, wanted to be a baseball player, wanted to be a dancer, wanted to be big. 
We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. Unfulfilled dreams and an unlived life is a different form of mourning than a long life. And this brings me to Mother's Day, which is a wonderful day for most people and a great day for moms if they're able to celebrate it with their family. But there is a bittersweet component to it, and that is for everybody who's lost a mother. The, your two co-hosts of this program amongst them. Yes. Myself and Lisa lost our mothers within the last few years. And there is that emptiness of, I don't have anybody to call on Mother's Day. I end up calling my sister, my sister-in-laws, some people I know who have kids. You know, you, you sort of make it up. And it's funny because I never used to do that. Like when my mother was alive, I just felt like my obligation was to my mother and go visit her and take her for brunch or, you know, be on the phone with her or whatever. And, and that was my, you know, your mother's day obligation is to call your mother, not call everybody else's mother and call everybody who is, who is a, mother. a mother. Right. But, yeah. But when you don't have a mother anymore, I, I find like all of a sudden I'm thinking of all these people, I should call, wish them a happy mother's day. You can kind of tell the first time I did it was like, why why are you calling wish me happy Mother's Day? You're you're just a friend of mine, you know, like you're not my son yeah. or whatever. But I think you you look for somebody to share that with when you don't have a mom anymore. Yeah. Which you just reminded me, I forgot to call my Aunt Dolores yesterday. Mm. Ah, I gotta do that when we get done with this podcast today. Yeah. Yep. You just reminded me of that. All right. But that feeling of like I don't have a mom anymore. That can be very, very devastating, very sad, and uh, can cloud your Mother's Day experience or holidays like that, you know, when you're, you know, always thinking of your mother. But I think the counter to that is children. Realize that, like at this event on Saturday night, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Saturday night was just a few hours from Mother's Day. And I thought about how many mothers were there at this event, including my wife, Janine, um, who Mother's Day was like a bittersweet reminder to them, and they're alive. Yeah. But you're not quite as much a mother when you don't have a child that used to be in your life. So Mother's Day can become like this bitter reminder of I'm not in that category, especially if it was an only child. So am I not a mother anymore because the child is gone? Am I a mother yeah. emeritus? Am I a mother, you know, in, in name only or in, in uh, the Hall of Fame, but not, not active? That's tough, too. That's that's tough, too. And so maybe one way of you thinking of it is, well, I'm missing 
I'm missing my mother here on Mother's Day. But if she was older and got to live a full life, you have to admit that you're blessed to be able to remember a mother who was with you for a long time. And that's a lot easier to bear than a mother who says, I don't have a child anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not in the mother club. Right. Or for women like me who never had a child, but lost a child in miscarriage and then never had the opportunity to have another, you know, mm. that's also tough, you know, Very. I kind of hate it. Yeah. I hate it every year. It's a double-edged thing. I spent almost all of yesterday in bed, <laughs> you know, really? it's, and, and the worst thing you can do. And one of my friends was like, get off of social media. The worst thing you can do on a day like that is look at social media and look at people celebrating and look at people who do have children. So I can't even imagine if you birthed a child and lost that child, what that pain must be like, yeah. because I have never birthed the child, but I did lose a child. Yeah. So, you know, and then I never had a chance to have another one. So, yeah. well, so what we're saying is there's lots of different categories uh, of, of being blue on Mother's Day. And I guess the only thing good to point out of it is you could always consider the other person's position and say, well, that one's tougher than I am, you know, or tougher than the fact that I don't have my mom with me is a mother who doesn't have their child with me, with her tougher than the fact that I had a miscarriage with somebody who doesn't have a child, you know, um, who was in this world and who had the, made the memories of being, wanting to be an astronaut or wanting to be a dancer, mm -hmm. wanting to be big and then not being there anymore. And, um, it's, it's a, such a bittersweet day, um, for that. And yet it can be such a beautiful day when you're, you know, you have your mom in your life or you can honor it. So that's why I don't understand like people who say, oh yeah, it was Mother's Day. Oh, I forgot to call my mother, you know, and we don't ever do anything anyhow. It's, I, you know, it's no big deal. Maybe I get a card or whatever. And that's fine. I can't tell anybody how to live their life, but I just feel you're missing an opportunity to, whether you do it on May 13th, or May 14th, or you do it any other day of the year. You don't have to do it as a Hallmark holiday, but but to celebrate your mother and just appreciate your mother, um, you know, that's a, that's not an obligation. That's a privilege. Yeah. A privilege. If you have a mother that treated you well and you've got good memories with and you can celebrate her or whatever, remember her, that's a privilege. It, it sure really is. is. It's the last message I have from my mom on my voicemail that I kept uh, was when I sent her these cookies. And actually, I did it because I sent them too early because I misjudged the Mother's Day date. <laughs> and um, and they were like cookies that had sayings on them and they put her name on them like you could order them at some fancy store somewhere. And she thought that was the coolest thing. But she's like, why did you send me these? And I said, it's for Mother's Day. Well, that was, you know, that's not for another week. And I'm like, okay, they just came early. <laughs> they mm -hmm. came early. You don't have to. But so anyway, that was like, your last conversation was right around Mother's Day. So this is really. Well, that was the last message I had. Yeah, it was the last message I had from her on my machine. Right. That was like, you know, thank you for this Mother's Day gift, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I play that all the time, you know, and she was very happy that I got it from my her. My mom was, uh, my mom didn't want any presents, but she measured 
your effort on Mother's Day in cards. So for, <laughs> for a stretch, it was who got the biggest card. Uh-huh. Like the three kids got her the biggest card. She liked like big cards. She was like she, those big giant yeah, ones. Sometimes they make some of those giant ones. And then she would read them out loud <laughs> and she would make you read them or she would read them. But she read every, every, you know, so I got very particular about shopping <laughs> for cards because you couldn't just buy, oh, that one looks fine. You know, if she didn't like the message particularly, if it was, didn't feel like it was right for her, she would, <laughs> she she would take offense. So when she would read them and she would say, you know, for all the times you showed me love, and the time I, I went and lost my glove, you know, those guys, and you go, oh, yes, yes, I remember when you lost that glove. This is a great card. It's personal like that. And if it wasn't personal, it was just like, you're the sweetest, you're the greatest, here's the news and it's the latest, mom, you know, that, so she would, she would read it, but you could tell she was a little disappointed, like, mm, I don't know how much effort went into that. You could have done better. Yeah, you didn't really read it that carefully. Yeah. And the cards uh, started to become such a big thing with her. And, and then at some point she went from the large, she went from size to quantity. Oh, uh, so, so she would want you to give her multiple cards. Like one card was enough and she would give you multiple cards. Like on your birthday, you'd get the one funny one, you know, like the slapstick yeah. card. And then like three loving to my wonderful the son. Sentimental, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then we started having to buy her cards. So, like, sometimes there's only three kids, but sometimes she'd have like 15 cards <laughs> from in front of her on Mother's Day. From you know, everybody had a chip in uh, three or four cards. My dad got her multiple cards, whatever, and she would take them and she would display them all over the kitchen or wherever uh, it was. Nice. You know, put them on the put them on the dining room table and show all her all her greeting cards. And I used to think it was kind of silly, but. I miss that now. You know, I I go in and I see the card sections of stores. Sometimes I just leap through them and say, "Well, this would have been a good one for mom." And then I look at the price and see like it's fourteen fifty. And I'm like, "Wow, <laughs> yeah, good thing I got out of this business when I did." I know. Reading cards are expensive. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I remember my mom used to measure that, and she didn't care. She never wanted a present. There was nothing, nothing that we could yeah. really give her that she wanted, but those cards. Yeah, my mom hated. You had, you had to write a message too at the bottom. It wasn't enough like "Love, Mitch." That wasn't. You had to oh, write. Oh no, that's not. Kind of yeah, thing. no, no, you can't. My mom hated flowers. By the way, her whole life, she there was no <laughs> flowers. There weren't any flowers she liked. Oh, she wow. was like, "You give flowers when people die." So, like, you'd buy her flowers and you'd say, "Why'd you buy me these flowers? Uh-huh. Flowers are for for dead people." I'm like, "Mother." People buy people flowers all the time. Don't buy me flowers. They just die. Mm-hmm. I don't like flowers. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we were a card giving family too. Cards or cookies or something that she could actually yeah. consume, I guess. Well, I guess, you know, this isn't a as pointed a lesson as as some of our weeks are, but I think to remember that Mother's Day people come at it from all kinds of angles. They come at it from the angle of I love my mom. I'm celebrating my mom. They come at it from the angle of I miss my mother. Come at it from the angle of I lost a piece of being a mother because I lost a child and I can't be the same mother I was without that child in the world. And all of them deserve empathy. And uh, the more empathy you show for one, the more you understood you will be in the other. So whatever it is, celebrate your children. Hold them close to you. 
and children celebrate your mothers and do the same. Uh, yep. Haitian Mother Day is coming up, I think, this weekend. I think they run like a week behind. So we get we get double double chances for ah, my nice. wife Janine to get a bunch of uh, Happy Mother's Day calls. So nice. Yeah. So uh, we look forward to speaking to you again in a week's time. If you want to check out more about what we've done in the past, go to wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. See some previous shows and some chat groups, etc. Lisa Goitsch produces the program, does a fine job of it. I thank you, Lisa. Until we see you again, this is Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.